Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas de Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leave the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. Another Monday, another Leave in the Ring. If you want to call in, certainly can, 347-215-7598. A lot of fights this past weekend. Uh, a lot of interesting talk that we need to get going here on Leave in the Ring. But also, we got a guest that's coming on as well that uh, we're anticipating. Uh, I'm excited about doing this, doing this interview with uh, Top Rank's new announcer, not new announcer. She's been around for some time, and she's been in the business for, I want to say, either a decade or over a little bit of a decade, right, Gabriel? Yeah, don't call it a comeback. She's been here for years, but uh, exactly, you know. Uh, but ESPN now, we, you know, people get to see her there and uh, on a major, you know, broadcast network. I believe she's only the second female to do uh, play-by-play announcing, so it's it is a big deal. Um, I'm not sure if that's just for a major fight or if that's in general. Um, if it's in general, that's even bigger. So I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I mean, I, we like having reporters on here. That's one of my favorite things. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different types of, of journalism and, and she's a broadcast journalist. Um, she's not an investigative journalist or like, you know, a beat reporter, but, you know, when I was living in Los Angeles, those six years, uh, Christina was somebody that I saw, uh, on the beat regularly. And, and she was always just like, uh, just a really hard worker, like kind of doing what, uh, you know, a lot of reporters would be getting to the press conference early and they'd show up, work their sources or whatever, um, but then just kind of let the press conference happen, let the stories come to them, get in the right line to interview which fighter. Uh, but Christina would always be there. And I just remember that image, no matter where we were at, uh, sitting down, writing her questions down, uh, you know, like looking at the bout sheet and like adding additional things, coming up with stuff for the last second, just constantly working. And uh I feel like it's it's uh, we're kind of seeing the graduation of people that have put in 10 years because you got on, you know, Fox Sports one uh, or on the Fox Sports. You've got uh, Marcos Viegas, who has Fight Hub TV and he still does Fight Hub TV. We starting to pick up sponsorships. I thought it was interesting. I was looking at a video of his earlier. Uh, and at the beginning, he's got a, a snack commercial that he does. I guess he's getting sponsored by them now. Um, and you know, but it's but now he's the official ringside scorer, and uh, uh, you know the the ring ringside reporter there for Fox Sports and uh, for their boxing, and that's his dream. And I always felt like both of them were kind of coming up at the same time with similar dreams to be that that person. I never realized that Christina though wanted to be play by play, which is a very particular role. So uh, I'm very excited to have her on the show and and uh, get her perspective on the sport and also be able to say that we we've had a Fox Sports person in in Joe Goosen this year, uh, who's also you know a big time boxing head, and now we're going to have Christina Poncher from uh, ESPN. So. Uh, it's just kind of part of what Dave and I talked about this year as we, we head into the new Leaving in the Ring episodes. We want to bring you different aspects of things that, you know, things we haven't uh, showed you from a different angle, or maybe the same thing, boxing, but from a different perspective. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, getting broadcast journalists on, on the air is uh, kind of where it's at. So uh, I'm excited, man. It's going to be a good show tonight. Not a lot of you know exciting what? boxing fights to talk about, but uh, there's other things. Oh, we'll bite in that. We'll, we'll definitely bite on the uh, past weekend fights. Um, that's a, that's for sure. That's what we do here. You know, you didn't catch yeah. that, did you, buddy? 
Are <laughs> oh, you gonna bite it? Oh, yeah, the price is bite. Uh, the price is bite, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's allergy season, uh, which it's killing me right now, man. I got a massive headache, but we're gonna you know plow through this and. Uh, get this show here on the it's road. It's crazy this year, dude. Uh, I, I kind of got hit by it. Uh, my significant other has just been hit hard by it. And like people like us, like we never, I've never experienced it. I've never really known you to get that crazy about it. It's like the super bloom or something this year, man. It's I, yeah. Uh, it's, well, you know, look, it, it it was sunny all weekend. Um, on Saturday, as after watching the fights, I watched the the last broadcasting was was, was the zone uh, one with Ryan Garcia as the main event. Um, I I was able to go sit outside. I sparked up a stogie, smoked it, had one beer, then went back inside and relaxed. And uh, the following day, Sunday, did some yard work. Beautiful. Today's Monday. It's been all muggy looking. Um, it's starting to sprinkle outside, so it's just you know. Here right now in California, I think throughout everywhere, it just hasn't made up its mind what it wants to do. Hopefully May is completely different. <laughs> Hopefully mid-April is completely different. Um, but but right now it looks like the weather wants to April Fool's because earlier it was a little sunny, it was a little warm. It's still a little warm, but I hear the I hear the rain falling on us. Like you know April Fool's, you thought it would be a, a sunny a sunny April. It's not. No, it's uh, it's raining here too. It's uh, it's going to be raining for four days. I wish it would stop. Joining us at, uh, about ten minutes from now, five fifteen, um, and uh, I, I re- realize I haven't sent her a text reminder, so I'm going to do that right now while you talk. Well, like everybody else, um, after Ryan Garcia got his victory, he immediately started attacking the Mayweather camp, um, talking about Mayweather's uh, uh, fighters. I thought right now, I, you know, I thought when he was like saying, I'm not afraid of you, Mayweather, and et cetera, I thought, um, Javante Davis, tank, right away. But then later on, on Fight Hub, he clarified it. He was talking about Rolando, um, uh, Roley, the kid named Roley, uh, what's his last name? Rolando, I can't believe. Romero. Um, Romero, yeah, Rolando Romero. They call him Roley, which they had a, a sparring session with each other, and, it, you know, and Roley looked like he had, the, you know, the better part of the sparring against uh, Ryan Garcia. But Ryan said, hey, look, I was 18 years old. Which he's now 20. He's a father. <laughs> and uh, he's expressed, like, things, yeah, you got, probably got the better of me at that time, but times have changed. I'm a better fighter. I've improved. And he certainly has. He certainly has improved. Um, he's doing some things in there that, that he wasn't doing in the beginning of his, uh, his, of his career. Uh, he used an uppercut that I didn't really see him use in the past. Um, the one thing that, that stands out for me about the kid right now is he gets a little too hyper. Um, he still doesn't, to me, still, he doesn't seem very fluent yet. You know, um, it, it's almost like he gets on hyper gear and he doesn't know how to regulate it correctly where he's just going to blow out his engine. That's the sense that I get with him. His chin is still a little bit up too high. I still see a lot of work with him. If I was, I mean, this is me personally. If I was on the Garcia King team, I would really be like, hey, let's slow down a bit. Let's just take a little step back. And, and I understand that Ryan um, wants to be the star. I, I think we all could sense that this kid is hungry to be the star, right? 
he's right now the Instagram king. I don't think anybody can argue about that. You know, that's the one thing in the broadcasting that they keep uh, talking about is how many followers he had on Instagram. But if you want to win over, you know, fans, you got to get the KOs, which he's getting. If you want to win over the fans, you got to get the, the ones that really count, which I'm not, I personally believe, and I think even his team believe that he's not ready for at this moment, Gabriel. I, I don't see him getting in with a farmer. I don't see him getting in with a, with a Davis uh Maybe Roley is is that test to see where he's at. But if if you were Golden Boy, would you be that eager to jump in the jump jump back into the room with uh, Floyd Mayweather and their team? No, I, I don't. I don't see that guy's got a lot of confidence, and you know he's got a TV show on YouTube. Uh, so I guess it's the YouTube show. It's not really a TV show. Uh, but, he, you know, he's, he's spread pretty thin. He's just a kid. Um, to a woman he's not married to. Somebody needs to tell him to slow down. He did really slow down. I mean, let, let, me, you let know, me read you. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go finish your, finish your I, thought I just, here. Yeah, I just uh, – because I, I, I watch him um, – I'm just doing like three things at once just to kind of get to where we're headed. But uh, <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I just kind of look at the way he fights and I'm like, why are you going to the ropes when you're like way taller than your opponent? Uh, it's a lot of going to the ropes, a lot of absorbing punches. And what he said to Marcos was that, you know, early on he doesn't want to spend time ducking or moving his head too much and get caught while the other guy's fresh, which, you know, that makes sense to me. Um, and, you know, Canelo is a, is a blocker. He uses a lot of blocking, catches a lot of stuff with his gloves and arms. Uh, and I saw more of that from, from uh, Ryan Garcia. They're obviously, they're working. he's working with uh, 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 Reynoso. Uh, Reynoso, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and just, you know, we're, we're kind of working in some new stuff. Uh, but it was safe. And they kind of brought in a guy that I thought was going to, you know, because of his size, even though he's moving up in weight, I thought the extra weight would actually help the guy and, and that he would give some rounds. And I'm sure that's what... Uh, uh, Mr. Diaz thought over at Golden Boy, but instead you get uh, two rounds of Ryan Garcia, who, you know, we can dog his, you know, his technique. He thinks he's incredibly precise and accurate. That's what he says is most impressive about himself um, as a fighter. But I, I think, you know, um, maybe he's right. You know, uh, but I think all the other things like you mentioned need to happen too, because I remember talking with Emmanuel Stewart about Vladimir Klitschko and, I said, man, you know, the thing that really impresses me about him is how incredibly accurate he is. Um, he just seems to, you know, like, yeah, he throws in combination and he's big and he's hard hitting, but he just lands on a dime. And uh, if Ryan think that, thinks that that's all it takes, you know, wait till somebody actually punches you back and somebody's actually your size. Is that a rooster that I just heard? Um, that's my rooster. Wow. <laughs> that's my guy on Negro, bro. <laughs> your, your rooster got excited about what I'm saying. He's like, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, he's agreeing with you. He's yeah, agreeing with you. Like, I'm surprised you've never heard the rooster. I talked about it, I think, in the first show, that we, our first uh, show comeback, uh, about the rooster. This rooster is confused. The, the guy roosts every – I mean, every hour he's, he's out there, you know, roosting away. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, you even catch this guy at, you know, at midnight, letting you know it's midnight. Um, the neighbor's rooster. I don't know what to tell you. We live out here in the sticks. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
Okay, cool. She says to call when we're ready. I, I you know what? We'll just use the uh, call in feature. That that seems to be the easier thing to do. Absolutely. So. You know what? 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 I find very telling in terms of Ryan Garcia's age. Uh, he's twenty years old. That's it. He's, right there. <laughs> he's yeah, yeah. He's twenty years old, and and the thing with him being twenty is that you can you can you can catch the immaturity a lot. Um, even I think even like Canelo next to him uh, and watching him react in the interview in the post interview uh, yelling out to the Floyd Mayweather camp, uh, you could see the body language of Canelo like. Oh, you know, like what's going on here? You know, what is? Why is he still getting all hyped up in this interview? He's out of his, his character, which is that of a composed champion. Right, and then you go to the fight, um, uh, fight hub interview, and they, when they were interviewing him, they were asking about Roly, obviously, and some of the things that he said were kind of cringing and kind of like, well, he is twenty years old. I mean, he, I don't think he really understands what what is going on. But he, here's something he said. He said. Because he said that Roley has said he needs 200K to box. And he said, I don't need 200K. I have money coming in everywhere. It's like clockwork. And it's from outside of boxing. You need boxing. I don't. Yeah, he said every month it rolls in. Every month. Yeah. That's every actually where I turned off in. the video. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was just like, like, what is he talking you know, about? Like, what outside money are you talking about? Um, are you talking about, talking about endorsements? He's talking about the endorsement, you know, he's a model for mm-hmm. Abercrombie and Fitch. He's a YouTube mm. guy and uh, he's got a series, you know. Um, so, you know, and they're probably throwing around money and, you know, he's marketable, as, you know. Uh, he's marketable. You got to remember what he got it from, though. You know, he, I mean, here's yeah. the thing is that you got it from earlier. boxing. You didn't, you didn't get it from, you know, going out there and being a model and, and somebody discovered you like that. That's where your bread and butter comes from is, is boxing. Um, it, yeah, it's just you sit there and you're like, oh god, somebody needs to like sit him down. They need to talk. For, they, they need a translator for the guy, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know he's 20 and imagine I can imagine man uh, me with a microphone at, at 30 is rough. Uh, at, at 20, you know, uh, shit. Sometimes now I screw up. Uh, I just don't. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, like I'm not gonna shoot the you know uh, shoot the kid down completely. Uh, no. For me, though, I, when I see him in the ring, I'm just like, yeah, I wouldn't want you to fight Tank Davis if I was your your handlers. I think he would he would break you in half. Uh, maybe, you know, he rises to the occasion and he shows us who he is. But I'm like, the record, your record as is, is not. There's no Jose Pedrazas on your record, not even close. Mm-mm. No. So, uh, no. No. I, would just, I mean, you know, I, but he's I also, you know, he's got us talking about him. And he's got people that really are on that train because they know yes. how much he pisses off like you and me, uh, not us specifically, but like there's one half that, that feels like we do about him. And there's another half that innately just like loves the guy for that, I think. And then there's the genuinely the girls that just think he's, you know, God's gift. Um, it's it's going to be interesting watching Golden Boy develop this guy because, you know, we're kind of saying the same things about Canelo a little bit, although I always felt Canelo could fight from age 18. I, that's why I first watched him. I like the way he fought. I think I'm not sure about Ryan Garcia. You know what? No, I, I think I think Ryan can fight. I think though he is a, a very raw product. Um, I think the brand is is 
is far ahead of him at the moment. There was no uh, real, uh, <laughs> you know, there was no real test of the product yet. You know, we don't, that's, I think that's what everybody's wondering is, is, is this for real? How real can this become? And I think that over time, it could be really real. I mean, he has the height. He's got the speed. When he decides to sit on his jab, it's there. You do see some glimpse of wow factor about him. Um, he does have the killer instinct. When he smells blood, he goes for it. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, hold back. Uh, those, those can be bad and good all at once because we do have fighters right now that have all the skills in the world, but they don't have that second gear. You know, they, they have all the, the experience, but they don't have that second gear when they need to turn it on. Ryan seems to have it. If Ryan was to get in with Davis right now, would he lose that fight? More likely, yes. I think the wages will all be with, with, with Gervonta Davis. But I think that he'd put up a hell of a fight because the kid does have some real self-belief belief in him. And that's what you want out of, out of a fighter. You know, I, I remember so, you know, like some of the questions and interviews. I mean, we've done tons and tons of interviews here on Leaving the Ring. And I think the reason why we kind of stop interviewing fighters is because we always got the same script. You know, like, so how's camp? Uh, camp is the best camp I've ever had in my life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, so these fighters are basically going to tell you exactly what they think you want to hear. You know, they're not going to tell you a lie. This is the most shittiest camp I've ever been a part of, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes you, you sometimes when they're telling you like, oh, this, you, you already Yo, kind of know you could feel it. Yeah. It's 515. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Call her in, man. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, I, we'll get back to Ryan Garcia. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. Hello? Hi, Christina. It's Gabriel. Hi. Hi, welcome. Um, I was about to do the runway thing, and then I, I'm kind of new to this whole calling in system uh, that they're doing. So welcome to Leave It in the Ring. Uh, this is Gabriel. My partner is uh, David Duenas. Uh, and there's Hi, David. people listening right now. Hi, Christina. <laughs> it's, millions. This is, yes. a, this is the biggest show I've ever been on right here yes, with millions is, of people. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. Nobody, yeah. Nobody even tunes in. <laughs> we're, we're our biggest fans. That's the, that's the crazy part is that we are our biggest fans here on Leaving the Ring. <laughs> hey, you got to be in this business. No, There's no love lost. You got to be your biggest fan. There's you know, no question. We're like the Ryan Garcias of podcasting. That's that's what we've been told, you know. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, well, actually, I'll uh, be I I'll think... be I'll I'll be Canelo then. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's actually kind of. I was saying to Dave earlier on the show that having you on, um, having been down there and watched, like observing you, uh, but also Marcos uh, Viegas, who at the same time is is coming up. He's now the you know the Fox. Uh, official scorecard guy for their boxing program and, and ringside reporter. Yeah. Um, and, and now seeing you on ESPN plus, it's like that generation is graduating uh, into those positions, you know, um, it, it's, it's really, really cool. I'm happy for him too. You know, him and I have been, you know, grinding for, for quite some time now. And I was super happy when I saw that he got that opportunity. Cause I, I that's kind of a perfect way to put it. We were kind of in the same class coming up and, um, you know, we're, 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 we're starting to get in there, you know, nine, 10 years later, but we're doing it. That's what it takes. You know, you got to put in the work. Yeah. 
I mean, like even like like Steve Kim, who's put in about twenty years, it would seem like he was part of the original like Max Boxing, the original like internet reporters getting credentialed. I think him and Doug were the first. Um, now he's on ESPN. It's just it's just nice to see, you know. And because I always my image of you was always. Uh, before a press conference, you're sitting there with your paper, you're, you know, we're having our meals, but you're writing questions down, looking at the bout sheet, you know, kind of coming up with last, last second stuff so that you could work, you know, uh, up to the last minute to where you started to work. And I, I was always very impressed by that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the, the preparation is, is so crucial and so key. And, you know, up to the last minute, I'm like scatterbrained looking at my notes like, okay, I, I and food means a lot to me. You know, people that know me personally know to, like, give up most of the meal to be still making sure I got my, my notes and my stuff tight is, a, is kind of a big deal. So that's, that's just that's how seriously I take my job. So. <laughs> the Beverly Hills uh, Hotel Flan is, is to die for, ladies and gentlemen. And that, that is sacrifice right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you have a degree in, in journalism, right, from uh, was it University of Southern California, Long Beach? If I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, um, South State Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave was actually. I'm, I'm stealing Dave's question, but uh, uh, no, go right ahead. Okay. Uh, did you start out wanting to be? What kind of journalist did you start out wanting to be? Uh, and then when did you turn in the corner into sports journalism? I wanted to be a sports reporter since I was like 13 years old. So it's what I've always wanted to do, and I knew oh. um, going into journalism that. I was going to do my option in broadcasting because I knew I wanted to be on TV, even though I was a pretty good writer and, um, I, you know, I wrote for the school paper and things like that. I just, I wanted to be able to talk more. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's what I've always wanted to do since I was 13 years old. So I always had a feeling that, you know, where, where I was going to get my internship or what I was going to do my apprenticeship was always going to be something in sports. And that's just the way that it went. And, um, what, I got, what I got the... an internship in college and that kind of helped drive things from there. At 13, what sport was it that made you go like that's that's what I want to do? Like who who are you tuning into that gave you that gave you that inspiration and that that bite? You know that bug yeah, of saying I want to do that. In all honesty, it was I grew up in Southern California. I'm a big Los Angeles Lakers fan, and I was watching John Ireland, who was the uh, sideline reporter for the Lakers at the time for you know KCAL nine, who she used to show Laker games and Fox. And I said I want to take his job. And that's the first thing I said to him when I met him one day, too. I was a sophomore in high school, and he was at, just by chance was at my high school because the Lakers uh, D-League team was practicing in our gym for something. And um, I walked up to him, and I said, Mr. Ireland, my name's Christina Poncher, and one day I want to have your job. And he kind of looked at me, and he laughed, and he's like, wow. He's like, well, okay, you know, he's like, work hard, and, you know, gave me the whole spiel. But, you know, that, that's where I, that's kind of where it, where it started from, watching him do his thing. And, <laughs> You know, he, he was like this little girl. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm <laughs> She was like, looked shocked, but I was like so confident in what I was saying. <laughs> he probably That's had no great. choice but to believe me. And he remembered right. that. I met him. In, uh-huh. I, I met him again when I got an internship at Fox Sports um, West and Prime Ticket and actually started working there as a reporter and saw him and reminded him. And he, I mean, he says that he remembers. I don't know if he did, but he definitely I reminded him of the story, and ever every time I saw him since then, he's like, "I gotta wash my back around you," you know, with like a smile and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of where it all started, and the first person that I looked at as like that would be a dream job. Um, so it was, let me, it was let, me ask, being... let me ask you this, because 
anytime anybody starts chasing their dream, there's always like a, a point where you feel like there's a roadblock. Like you, you, you get to this point, you're like, I don't think it's going to happen. Did you ever get that? Or, or did you ever get at a point of your, in your life following this dream and, and you know, go, you know uh, putting all that hard work in there where you sometimes felt like, God, this is a lot tougher than what I thought it was going to be? I could probably write a book on the roadblocks, no lie. I mean, that's more, that's long. We could take this whole podcast on the roadblocks <laughs> and things. Well, give um, us a few. That. Oh, okay. I was thrown off by that thing. I was in the host queue. I didn't know what that was. I was like, someone's oh, oh. calling in, must be. But, um, so, for instance, um, when I first started with Top Rank, they weren't really committed to having one person do the interviews or whatnot. So, at the time, they were also using, I don't know if you remember her, Inez Stein. Inez, she came from um, covering sports in Mexico, and she got really popular because she would dress, like, with real tight pants on. And, yeah, like, oh, I do. NFL. Yes, I do remember. You kind of remember blonde. her, a little blonde hair? Yeah. yeah. So Top Rank was using her because they, told, they didn't believe that I had a big enough, like, following at the time. I was just kind of getting my social media started or whatever. I came from being a sports reporter, not from, like, having all these followers up on social media. So I would do, like, the little stuff, but then they would bring her for the big stuff, and that, like, really bothered me because I'm on the ground, like, hustling, doing the press conferences, the media workouts and all that, and then Pacquiao fights Margarito in Dallas, and I'm thinking, here I go, and they're like, no, we're taking Inez, and I'm like, what? You know, it's like things like that. That was, that was a, a big one. That stood out. Not that she wasn't a respected sports reporter at the time, but I just felt like I had done all the groundwork to get the opportunity, and she right. was a bigger name, the bigger star, and, and so be it. Um, what's another one that stands out? Oh, the HBO, the fight game. Like, I was in the running to be – a, a part of that show and came oh, down really? to a final few contestants before um, I think they went with Melissa Stark that year. And the right. reason that they, they told me was I knew too much about the sport and I was too much of like an insider and they wanted somebody oh. that would appeal to a broader sports audience or had less of the boxing knowledge and more of a general sports knowledge and that kind of crushed me too I'm like what I've never been That's turned down for a job for knowing too much you're like, overqualified I'm not trying to throw anybody yeah. yes basically that and I don't want to yeah. throw anybody under the bus you know like, they, it's she, like she again another person with a bigger following more experience than me so it's not that she wasn't qualified I just I was like, that's the reason you're going to give me? Was that I know too much about that, that you know well, there's things, well, things like you that you were overqualified though in, 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 in all sense, you were overqualified if they told you you'd know too much, you know, you're, you're going to well, get yeah, too but much. That's just, I felt like yeah. I would add to the show in that sense with what I could bring and the relationships that I've had over the years developed with the fighters and the trainers. And I no thought that doubt. that would be an asset and I never thought it would be a detriment, you know, in that sense. Right. So uh, Steve yeah, like I, I said, there's been, there's been several. We argued about that, or we didn't with each other, but we, we, we both talked about that. That's what that show was missing was actually, you know, somebody that goes to the gyms and uh, covers the, the sport as a reporter. That, that show is ill-conceived. And to me, uh, making that someone gave you that reason is why people complain about the suits ruining things in, in Hollywood. Uh, I'm curious, do you think growing up in L.A. Um, gave you that kind of confidence? You know, where like TV and film is such a part of the culture that you – it wasn't like going to another planet the way it is for people to have to move to L.A. in order to achieve their dream. Do you think it made that well, a little easier? I think it did because, you know, even when I was in college and, you know, I had professors, you know, all of us that are broadcast majors telling the students, you're going to have to go to Kalamazoo or you're going to have to go to the middle of nowhere to, like, do this. And I'm like, why can't we just right here? Like, we live – 
in the number two market in the country. There's outlets, there, there's everything here. And, you know, I, I got the confidence just because I, I knew there was a lot of television stations, a lot of opportunity, a lot of sports here. So absolutely, I think growing up in Southern California helped me with that. It's just the emphasis in school and with the people that had the experiences, well, you don't really get started here. This is not a, this is not a training ground. It's a destination for journalists. Um, in that sense, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going anywhere. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be here, and I'm going to make, I'm going to make it happen right here, you know." And and thankfully, you know, it was God's plan, and I'm and I'm still here doing it. So, when you watch fights now, uh, you did 16 fights in the last two weeks. Um, that's a lot of prep. Is that a lot of tape? 19. 19. 19. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. 19. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, guys, like I have been calling, and and this is the part where I was talking to Mark Friegel. He's like, people don't know you've been doing this. And I said, this is the thing. Right. I have been calling undercard fights. I have been right. in the color color commentator spot, and I have called eight, nine, ten fights before. Just never in the blow-by-blow, blow, the lead position, the number one right. talker, the traffic cop. That's where it's been different. So that's the part where it's like that's where you kind of get thrown in the fire, like, you know, swim or drown like that's just how it's gonna go and it's and it was um a lot I felt like I had to be even more so prepared because in that second role in that color role when I don't have anything to say I just be quiet like <laughs> I don't have anything to add I you know I, I don't right. have to say something all the time but those are the best moments in, and, and, but I think sometimes and, you know to, to that point yeah. to that point that is something that particularly when you have a knockout or you have a moment where the crowd is just taking over, like don't talk, just be quiet and let the amb- the ambient noise, let the crowd, let the, you know, excitement kind of take over. And that's something that I was taught. That's something that I've learned. And, you know, that that's really important for anybody coming up. I mean, listen to Vince Scully and just listen to Chick Hearn and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they riff and they rattle, but they know the, you know, Joe Tessitore put it great, right? He's like, it's you, it's Chris Algieri, and the third person is the, is, is, is the natural sound. There's three people on your broadcast. Don't leave oh, that third nice. person out. Don't leave that third person out. Make sure you hmm. – and I was like, wow, that's exactly right. And so it was still a whole lot more talking, but it's just knowing the pace, knowing the control, and those are the things that I'll, I'll continue to work on, you know, the more reps that I get. That's what it's about, too, time on stage, you know. You'll get more relaxed and learn how to – let a moment breathe for just like an extra second and then go. And it's also growing up in LA, you got Vince Gully and, and Chick Hearn, two of the greatest to ever do it. That, that's, that's pretty awesome. It's like great examples. That's always the sound yeah. of home for me because I grew up down there as well. So, you know, I mean, they were talking legends. Yes, Boston, like there's different markets that, that have these, you know, guys that they've always listened to. And those were the two guys for me. And, play-by-play, blow-by-blow, whatever you want to call it. Yes, in our sports, blow-by-blow. But, you know, it, it's, it wasn't something that I always dreamed of being in that position. You know, I looked at the reporter position, and, and to me, especially as a woman coming up, that seemed to be an attainable goal. So that's kind of what I focused on. I never dreamed about being in the, the lead role. It just was an opportunity that was proposed to me, and I took the chance to, to give it a try. I, I'd be lying if I said, oh, I, I wanted to be, you know, a female Chick Hearn. That was, that was never the case. Or, or Jim Lampley or whoever you want to say in boxing. Um, but, but listening to those guys and knowing, like, the, the creativity, the personality, I think I have what it takes to do it. I just wasn't – that, that specific job, that role wasn't the, the dream at the time. That was going to be one of my questions was, you know, 
did you know that you had this confidence to get behind that mic? I mean, because you know what you said, there's got to be that silence. You, you got to allow that science to help you out. And, and sometimes I always felt like commentators, they, they don't know when to shut it. They just keep talking and they start trying to fill it up with a bunch of other BS that you already know about, or you just don't even care about. Um, and you, you kind of miss that moment where, where your reaction is raw. And it's always like, like, to me, there's some announcers that leave a statement of, of, of what they're catching in front of them that's going to be ever forever remembered by the fans. Like, for instance, with you, uh, I thought it was great. You made the KO even more better when you said, Hold Donald Smith. And then later you said, Now you can celebrate, young man. That was a good catchphrase from you. You know, that was, that was something that, that I felt celebrating with the Donald Smith when he got that KO because you guys were just out, you guys were mentioning how much he needed it. Um, so you took away that one question I had was like, did you know that you were going to be that comfortable behind the mic? Uh, I think it's awesome though, that you said, let me go at it. I think like, it's like any athlete, they have to try to get in there first to see how great they can be at it. And uh, you're doing almost the exact same thing. Well, and I think that that confidence comes from, you know, kind of like Gabe, you were saying, you're just getting those reps in. Right. So I knew I was confident in my knowledge of the sport and, you know, and, and, and being myself and my personality from hosting the press conferences, from doing the, you know, reports from the gyms, from even doing the color commentary role. It's just that, you know, it takes a long time, I feel like, in the play-by-play uh, role to, to find your voice, to, to make those calls sound like you're not biting somebody else's style. Like you're, right. you're coming in with, with who you are, and it's a natural, raw emotion, but still composed and poised enough because – you still are a professional and you still have a, a job to do. And finding that balance, like I never had to be like, oh, and he's down. Like, I was like, how am I going to do this? Do I practice it? Like, you know, and I, I was just like, <laughs> I guess it's just going to come naturally, like, as it happens. And, you know, my first KO call was like, all right, you know, I, I the, the, the Maxim Dadashev one, and like, you know, there's some room for, that left a little room for error there because multiple reasons, you know, things that you, you, you can see and don't see in a, in a split second, you know. But then this weekend we got a couple more, and I felt even more comfortable and more confident even in one show um, because it's, you know, one show, but I'm talking like five or six fights into the night and you're, you're in your stride, you know, when that, when, that, yeah. when that knockout came and then Sonny Conto got a big knockout. Um, you know, I, I think my confidence is growing each time. It's just a matter of finding my voice. And those phrases, those things that I said, it just comes out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> How exhausted are you by the time you're all done? I mean, because you know, for myself and Gabriel, I know we do we do it. We used to do a three hour show. We we cut it down yeah. to two hours here on the podcast. And right after we're done, I mean, me literally, I can speak for myself. I walk out of the my my office and I go straight to the kitchen, grab something to eat, and then I'm out. Lights are out for me. I know for you, this got to be it's got to be three times more exhaustion behind it. It is. And, you know, I'm a talker. Anyone that knows me, like, ever since I was young. And to be able to be like, I'm tired of talking. I don't want to talk. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you throw losses. You're looking at me like, Where'd Chris, who, who's in there? Where's Christina? Because she's, we never heard her say that before. Just because it's, it's not just the actual physical part of, of talking, using your voice, and the energy levels up and down. I mean, we're on the air for four and a half hours, five hours. Like, I'm hungry. 
I ran to go pee in like two seconds if we had like an opportunity during a commercial break. You know, it's it's the mental right. preparation of next fight up, next fight up, next fight up. So it's like, yeah, you feel like an athlete who's just you know gone into overtime, if you will, and and you're exhausted. It it, it I treat it like that because I take it so very seriously and I prepare like that. And then you get you get Sunday to to sleep on the plane and then. Maybe Monday if it's a, a Saturday fight week, and then it's like right back to the next. That's how it was from Costa Mesa to Philly. Like I really didn't have any downtime from one show to the next. Now I do this week before we have a, our our Lomachenko fight on the 12th. Go 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 go! And you know my I I, I develop a little throat hoarseness. I'm like sucking a loss. Like this is cr- oh sorry I just cursed. This is crazy. Like how how much you need to prepare yourself for it. What do you do to keep your voice in shape? Because that's that's got to be rough. Have you ever, uh, you know, it, I know you have a degree in journalism. I, I but, should ask you. I should ask you what I should do because I, I know, you know you have like, <laughs> performing the everything theater training. you've done. Yeah, you know, this just this last year because I I have kind of a eclectic education. I have a, many years of you know, and I've worked in like six hundred seat theaters. Uh, but this year, I finally, uh, for about six months now, I've got an opera singing coach who's teaching me how to actually sing. And now I'm like, oh, I've been breathing wrong like this whole time. Uh, and, he's, you know, I've been like, well, maybe not wrong, but like he's he's really fixed me. So I got like a private guy and that uh, that's the thing. But I mean, like, you know, the lemon and the honey, like, you know, I have a Mexican mom or did. Uh, yeah, there you go. You know, all the Mexican remedies, those work. She would take like two two spoonfuls of honey and like squeeze out a whole lemon and make like a cough syrup out of that and knock that back. Water, water too works great. I'm like, yeah, I'm like doing warm water. I'm like got my Ricolas and my hauls and my, you know, like just all that stuff. But I never talked that, that much. And, and it's a lot for, for that period of time. It's a lot, but that's, it comes with the job. I'm, I'm blessed to be in that position. So it, it's, it's not, it's not really a, you know, a big job hazard. I'll get used to it. So are you, are you with ESPN or are you a top rank correspondent and just part of the top rank unboxing production team? As currently, I am a top rank. Uh, I'm an independent contractor, but I get, you know, I get paid from top rank. I, they are the ones that hire myself, Chris, or Bomac or whatever for the ESPN Plus portion of the undercard. But anything, you know, that may be coming up for ESPN, that that would be a different story. But right now, currently, I'm 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 paid by top rank. My contracts with top rank. How much do you think you know ESPN? I mean, they're obviously they're going huge with Top Rank. Um, at some point, I mean, where do you see all this going? Because like in the last ten years, it seems even the the last year or two, it seems like boxing has drastically changed. Uh, it has. PBC, uh, you know, emerged and we thought they'd go away. They're not going away, and and then Top Rank on on ESPN, and then like the streaming war has exploded. The Zone came on the scene. Uh, what are your thoughts on how things are going to go? Do you, do you think that there's going to be a boxing league or do you think it's just going to remain the way it's always been and it'll just be this independent brands on the different networks? I think it's going to remain the way that it's been. I just think, like, like you said, with the addition of the streaming services, I think that it's just going to be more accessible in more ways than it has ever been before. And it's evident in also the amount of shows being shown a month you know, now than what it was before. I mean, there was a time right before Top Rank's deal with HBO came to an end where we were struggling for dates for shows. I mean, I was, like, lucky if we got a show a month. Two shows a month was, like, hitting the lottery. So there was just not enough dates for for the fighters and and for fights. And now it's, like, we got three weeks back-to-back-to-back and we're 
filling cards with 11 fights still. That just goes to show you how many guys are on the sideline just waiting to get paid. And that's just not on ESPN. That's the same night that DAZN has a card or that's same as a Friday night to a Saturday Showtime card or, you know, Fox or whatever. So I, I think that the, the best part is there's more boxing available more than ever before. I just think that it's really important to capitalize on this time in our sport with trying to make the best fight possible. And I think that that's the most important thing. And they got to work it out where I saw somebody tweet something today. I can't remember who it was, but they said something about, you know, when it's two um, competing, you know, networks or streaming services, why doesn't one get the TV rights, the other get the digital rights or something like that. You know, they hmm. made, we made it happen for Mayweather Pacquiao. So it can be done. It's just, yeah. you know, who's going to budge or where they're going to budge. And if, if, people if the networks can come together and make those things happen the sport will take off like never before because the exposure and the reach is bigger than ever, more than ever yeah yeah there's a big potential to just have it anywhere like it was my birthday weekend and i was like partying like like a, a much younger man uh but i was able to like watch the fights on my phone you know and that's that's pretty amazing and you know 2019 i was able to like kind of keep up as i was i was doing my thing because the sport you know it, like you said, it has, more, I think, potential to be bigger than, than ever uh, because this, this generation, they just watch things in a completely different way. Uh, I've got, you know, niece, I don't have kids, but I have like nieces and, and nephews and they all are of that screen generation. And it's not weird to them to watch whatever on, on a tiny phone. Uh, well, and it's like? not even just that you watch it on a phone. You can, you know, people it. now yeah. don't, have ca- don't have cable anymore. Yeah, I don't have yeah. cable. They're, they're can- yeah, exactly. They're, they're canceling cable. So it's like you can just go online on your smart TV and or yeah. download an app onto your TV and watch it that way. You don't have to subscribe to cable to get Fox or to get Showtime or what have you. Yeah, that's, I'm a total right. cord cutter. I've got uh, you know YouTube TV and, and uh, I've got DAZN. And that's how I watch my ESPN. And then, you know, I've there got go. Amazon with Showtime and, you know, it used to have HBO, but, you know, I'm not in the Game of Thrones, so I don't have it anymore. It's, 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 time has definitely has changed so fast. I mean, it, I mean, let me ask you this, you know, you've, you've been around, around the sport for what, over a decade, right? Or a decade already. Um, and you've seen the changes in journalism. What do you, Tell me what you think has been good from the changes from then to now and been bad, in your opinion. In, in, what, in what aspect? In uh, the cover I mean, of the sport. Yeah, the cover, the cover of the sport. You know, the new guys. You know, I started off doing the YouTube videos, and that was really new, and that was over what, years ago. And, but now you see that more. So, you know, I mean, obviously it's good to come out of it, but I can actually talk about there's the bad part of having – uh, YouTubers and podcasting and, and whatnot? Well, I think, the, I think the good thing about it is everybody, you know, you can create your own space. You don't have to wait for the slim openings or opportunities, you know, with a network or with a promoter because most people that get in those spots, you know, they're there until, you know, either they get cut or they get too old or they get another opportunity. Those, those, those major roles are so far and few between. But now with, with the landscape of, you know, digital and social media, you can – create your own space, give your own opinions, do your own interviews. And I think that that's, you know, people have become mega stars off being YouTubers and things like that. So I think it's, I think that's, that's a good part of it. I think that that kind of the bad part about it is those people or a lot of people when they first get started or, you know, there's no, there's no filter, there's no rules, there's no regulation. You try, sometimes fighters get asked questions that are so off the cuff 
or they get asked questions about nothing pertaining to the media workout in which they're training for that fight because people just want to get the clicks or people right. just want to hear them say or react in some sort of way out of character so that they can blast that out. And I feel like those kind of things don't necessarily help uh, the sport. You know, it's like we'll be at a media workout for, let's say, Lomachenko's fight with Krola coming up. And everybody wants to ask about something completely different. And no one wants to talk about the fight that's at hand. And sometimes you get crappy answers because of that. And it's like, dang, he has no personality or he's not even trying to sell the fight. Well, no one's asking about it, you know. So right. it's just, that, that part kind of does make it, make it hard and make it difficult. And, you know, then everyone also has an opinion and can comment and say all kinds of crazy things. Like, like if you don't have a, a husband or, or a kid or a mom or a father or, you know, <laughs> things like that. So that, that's kind of the crappy part, too. But that's, overall, I think it's good. That's something I do not miss from the scrums <laughs> is the, uh, yeah. the, the the random clickbait stuff. Um, it, it's like, so crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's like it's on a espre- it's like the espresso of it now. You know. Um, we, so there's some character. I don't even know the guy's name. He comes in with a loud voice and some glasses, and he, I've never seen what? him before. And he does some <laughs> interview with Lomachenko. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No, I don't. But but no. you know what? I, there was a lot of them when I was when I used to do interviews and go down into LA and just you know go to the media workouts and you know uh, uh, go to the gyms and and talk. I, I, you would always it was like trickling in that those type of characters started trickling like, in little by little. Who's this guy? Yeah. Everyone's like looking around and you know he, he gets to see they you know everyone gets a, gets a chance and you get to an interview with Lomachenko right and he goes to like put his arm around him just and Lomachenko looks at him he's like don't touch me you know and the next thing you know it's like going viral because Lomachenko like tells him not to touch him and it's like hilarious. everyone's like laughing or whatever and I'm like nothing about the fight nothing about the fight just because the guy tried to hug him or whatever it's insane uh, I, I remember I remember when when uh you know Manny was gonna fight Oscar and uh you know Freddie Roach was like yeah come on down you know do, we could we could uh, do an interview and you could sit back and then he had some media guys there and there was this other guy that was there I don't remember his name but um if I saw his face I'd remember his name but he had brought like a bag I, did I tell you about this, Gabriel? He had like a bag full of boxing gloves. He did and, he, and he was having asking Manny Pacquiao if he could sign every one of these gloves. And I just No, dude, I think the, that guy's still around. I bet you that guy's really? still around. <laughs> I bet I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think like, I know who you're talking about. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. Freddy, I'm not gonna describe him. Right. I think I remember Freddie rushed, rushed, rushed up to him, and, and Manny's like team ran up to him. They're like, hey, that's enough. You need it. like you just did this yesterday. You got to go. You got to go. And the guy was like, why? What did I do wrong? And everybody's like, are you serious, man? No, <laughs> dude, there is a guy like that. We catch him everywhere. He just waits outside of the gyms after the media days are over, and he just gets a ton of gloves, try to get him signed, probably to sell or whatever. And some right. fighters turn him down, and he gets all pissed. I, dude, I know there's a guy. There's a guy. I, I, I don't know the same guy, but I see him everywhere. Every time. Uh, apprenticing. Well, not a, apprenticing, but even, uh, you know, learning your trade, uh, working with the colonel. I'm really curious about, yes. about that. But also just in, in that, you know, covering like the international broadcast, but also the undercards. Who's the gold that we don't know about? Who, Have you seen somebody West? that – who's like the prospect that we don't really quite – we're not quite talking about it. Is there anybody that you see, or just maybe there's somebody we have seen, but who, out of everybody that you've seen on these undercards, is there somebody that, that, that you have an eye on as uh, a future champ? 
that's, I mean, that's a tough one because I feel like a lot of the guys that I was going to mention are now getting some shine. You know what I mean? Like, Tiafimo, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, like, blasted onto the scene from, from the first ball. Like, whoa. You know, he's, he's going to be he's going to be something something special. Um, I like Jeremy Adorno. He's been fighting on some undercards. His, his brother just made his pro debut, but I think um, – or Joseph Adorno, excuse me, I just mentioned his brother, Jeremy, who we just signed to. But um, I think he's another one, Southpaw. He's training out of um, – he's from – Allentown, Pennsylvania, but he's been doing some work with the Robert Garcia Boxing Academy. I think he's someone that um, you guys should keep an eye on. Uh, I got a chance to, to, to watch some film on a, a fighter, uh, Boots Ennis, last name Ennis. I think he's, I he's like another him. one yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's another one that, that people got to look out for. Um, you know, there's, there's the, uh, something about the kid that I just met this weekend, the heavyweight Sonny Conto. Being an yeah, Italian awesome. heavyweight from mm-hmm. Philly, I mean, you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. he's got like that, like like screenwriters are already like lined up watching his pro debut, right? Because he like fits the mold of 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 what you want to see from from that area, an Italian. I mean, I think that that he's gonna be he's gonna be a good fighter. Too. I mean, there's a lot. You just never know. I mean, I thought Felix Ferdejo was gonna be super special, and then look kind of what happened. With, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to 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 see how uh, these everything plays out. I mean, I'm not knocking Felix, but I just think that we had, I think everybody had biz- bigger expectations um, for him. And, and, you know, granted, some things uh, unfortunately happened to him outside of the ring, but you just, you just never know. You just never know. It's hard. Yeah, that it is. It's panning for gold. That's, that's, why, I, that's yeah. why I refer to him as gold because it's trainers. Like, you know, those guys are the miners in some ways, you know, and the promoters as well, and they're investing everything in it. But you just never know. Like Verdejo, I remember seeing with De La Hoya and Trinidad's induction to the Hall of Fame, and he was there signing autographs. I was like, there's a guy that gets it. He's there talking with the fans and, like, building his fan base and that connection. Uh, but he didn't really pan out. I, I was never big on him as a fighter. But uh, I, I know you you got to get going soon. I'll, I'll pass the last question to Dave, uh, and then we can we can wrap up. I really appreciate your time here, Christina. Uh, if you're just yeah, tuning in, thanks this is, for uh, having me. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, I'm going to read uh, off at Christina Poncher on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to read off a really quick uh, a question from Twitter that some of the guys that tune in to this show. Uh, one of them is uh, from um, Boxing Esquire. Ask her what her favorite boxing uh, podcast is. I mean, leave it in the ring. I mean, there's no there question about go. it. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm here. You know, it's dinner time, and I'm supposed to be cooking dinner right now, and I'm, and I'm here, so there's your answer. You know, you know the question I wanted I mean, to ask you. The, yeah, yeah. The question I wanted to ask you is this, is because, you know, my, my, my family, uh, you know, I, I'm a Mexican-American background, and I, boxing was just, you know, embedded in us, you know, uh, my grandfather, uh, my uncle, uh, it was something that we did every, every night. I mean, every weekend, if the fights were on, that's how we bonded. But a lot of people think that it stopped there with just the males. My grandmother was, my grandmother's a huge boxing fan. My mom's a huge boxing fan. My aunts are all huge boxing fans. And a lot of times that my aunts know more about the sport, not just boxing, but basketball, football, more than the men. What, what do you think is the misconception most men have of women that are involved in the media or even in, in the position where you're at? I think that the biggest misconception is they're only fans because, like, their husbands or their dads or their brothers were. Hmm. And that's not, like, I, I, something that stands out to me so much is women all the time ask, how did you get into sports? 
I never hear men get asked that question. Yeah. That's true. Like what men are men are born into it, or you know they come with like that they grow they and and women can't like I grew up loving sports just like as if I had a brother probably would you know but I get asked when did you get into sports like they don't ask my husband that question who's loved sports his whole life like I have so it's just one of those things where they expect you to say like oh I started watching you know boxing because my husband did or you know my it's it's like I it, it it was just the way that you just said, you know, the women in family were, it, it, it was second nature. It was always on in the house, right? Or the right, car. It just, right. it just be, it becomes part of who you are. And that's how it was for me. Like, I, I did come from a sports family, and I watched it. I played it. And I got into it just the same way that, that you guys probably did. You know, it's not something that was forced onto me or whatever. I just, I grew a love for it, a love for competition, uh, a love for the unknown, a love for the, the momentum, the I mean, so, I can go on and on, but it just it came from when I was young, and and I think the biggest misconception is that girls only like it because they, you know, they want to, they they their their husbands made them watch or their fathers made them watch. Like, no, I would gladly sat there with my dad, and while I was learning the presidents of the United States, I was also learning the starting five of the Lakers. Like, that's just what it was, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like, one well, of those things, you know. It's so, like religion, yeah. It, yeah, it's that, that's thing. it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. My wife does not understand at all. She's from Bakersfield. And that's but, fine, uh, right? It's yeah, like, it's totally it's, fine. It's not, I, yeah. It, it's, not, it's not for everybody. And I know, and I, and I appreciate the women that do get into it because they want to spend more time with their, you know, family. They're the male, you know, their, their brothers or their husbands or, or whatever the case may be. But if it's not for you, that's totally fine, too. Like, that's, every guy's not in the sports and every girl doesn't need to be in the sports. That's, that's true. You know what's funny when you say, like, you know, um, Men are never asked, like, how'd you get into this sport? I, I, I feel the same way because, you know, I cook. I, I'm, the, I'm the one that cooks at home. I'm the one that does a lot of stuff uh, around the house here. And, like, my relatives would go, like, how did you learn how to cook? Or, you know, where did you learn how to wash clothes at? And I'm like, I don't know, my, my mom, I guess. I mean, it was just something that we had to do every Saturday and Sunday. You know, we were, right, we were but, you, you know. But, but you like, don't, yeah, but you got asked that, like, it's like, hello, this is a, every day something that you should know how to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, like, doing it. yeah. Well, you got to yeah. eat, don't you? You know, that's, that was totally. always be my answer to people. Like, well, you have to eat, right? Well, I wanted to eat, so I cooked for myself because my mom was a single parent, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh, you, you, like, you like sports, but, like, you wear makeup and you do your hair or you wear heels. I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, I don't need to look, I don't need to be like butch looking to like love sports. You know, it doesn't, right. like that's not how it works. <laughs> that's just, that's know, not how it works. What I always liked, and I say this as a, as a theater guy and as a, as a married guy, uh, uh, I appreciate that you, you kind of always walk that balance. Like you just look nice for work. It wasn't like you were, you're like trying to trade off of the whole thing of, of being, uh, you weren't like just you know showing too much. It was like you you always like you weren't like nice colors. That's what I always noticed about you. I'd say yeah, it's important too, and it's something that probably that is probably one thing that I think women have to think about more than men is just kind of how you present yourself and how you carry yourself because that's not I don't think uh, someone's gonna look at my male colleague you know one who's wearing you know a suit and the other one who's wearing like shorts and tennis shoes and they're probably both gonna get taken seriously at sports right but a woman it's, it's different so I think that's something that any women coming up or around you have to really think about that and I know it shouldn't right. come down to that you shouldn't have to be so it, what does it matter what I wear well it does 
it matters. And, and it is such a double standard because there are dudes that, that wear, uh, I don't know, sandals and shorts, like everywhere. And, you know, uh, that's considered professional. But, like, if a woman's too revealing or too this or, you know, uh, but I always appreciated that you also, you, you're you just very much yourself. You're not, um, like, some people wear, like, the pantsuit, nothing against the pantsuit, but it's, like, kind of a take on what a man would wear into this environment. And you didn't do that, which I, I really appreciate. It's a, def- a difficult uh, needle to thread, you know. How are you going to be in this very, like, hyper-masculine environment? carried yourself like a pro and and i think thank you guys been, thank you you're welcome and and just always you know like i said as a theater person i love people that prepare and that are like up to the last second i could see you writing questions and getting ready and then boom you go and i just always appreciated that so it's it's nice to see you doing well i appreciate it thank you guys thank you so much and i appreciate and congratulations. your time and, and having and me on just, thank you yeah <laughs> congratulations with your, with everything you're doing and your son i know a lot of a lot of young men are going to be very jealous of your son because their mom talks boxing you know everyone thinks he's gonna i tell you like he's the star now i'm telling you everyone thinks he's gonna box everyone's like what's up champ i'm like no well, he's not going to box. And you know what? I think that the best part of this, if I can just end it on this, it, it, it's two it. things. It, it, it's one, um, you can be a wife and a mother and a professional. You can manage it all. And, hmm. and two, um, it's important that if you have your eye on the prize and you keep hustling and you, and you work hard and you do things the right way, you will get your opportunity. You will get your shot. You just got to step up and, and be ready when the time comes. And, you know, like Gabe, you said, I've been, I've been grinding. I've been hustling, doing this for almost a decade now. And it's just about capitalizing when you get the opportunity. And, and, and that's what it is. If, it, if it's meant for you, it will be. So um, those are two very important things. I, I put off having a family for quite some time because I was nervous about how it would affect my career. But you can, you can make it happen and you can do it all. You just have to work hard and, and seize the moment and the opportunity. That's great. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. Now i got to go put on those other hats and make dinner now for my family. <laughs> so. There you go. All right. All right. Take care. Thanks for coming on. We, it was great. It was, I yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take care. All right. Talk Bye-bye. soon. Bye-bye. All right. Peace. Wow, that's Christina really Paul good. Cherry, I'm leaving in a ring. If you guys missed the interview, don't worry about it. It'll be up a little later here on uh, Blog Talk. Everywhere, actually. We're on uh, TuneIn, Stitcher. YouTube. Spotify, YouTube, Spotify. So there's there's really um, FM. There's this the other thing called FM something. I don't even remember what it's called, but we're part of that. Uh, hopefully soon we'll be part of uh, Pandora. Um, not sure yet, but and, you know, I should say too. You know, I was bringing it up, and then I just didn't want to even. Uh, maybe old reporter me would have done this, try to find a way into that conversation, but because uh, and this wasn't even said explicitly, but because. The uh, the Pulev reporter uh, that he kissed thing went litigation um, because she's working for Top Rank and not ESPN. Uh, I, I couldn't really even get into that because it'd be putting like a Top Rank who represents Pulev uh, employee kind of in a legal jeopardy situation. So I couldn't even right. go near it. Not, you know, I mean, if you think that you know, uh, I've been bought off by the the administration or you know a Top Rank or whatever, like yeah, you just don't know me. Uh, it's just the way it is. And so I, I thought, you know, Dave and I talked about it. There was just so many more things we could talk to somebody that spent 10 years on the front lines of boxing about 
And uh, I hope it's the first of many conversations, man. She's she's great. Yeah, she was great. That was a great interview. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I hope everybody else that tuned in enjoyed it. Hey, let's open up the phone lines. I know we, we're going to do some reviews, but we got a lot of callers. Let's open it up and let's talk some boxing here with our listeners. All right, then, man. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy uh, – one of the good things about throwing a birthday brunch at your house is uh, you can't drink all the alcohol that everyone brings. And so oh. it's got a nice bar going uh, for the rest of this month because I drink – So you didn't, you, didn't do the, uh, you didn't do the cash and price thing where they start throwing the beer, you know, wasting your beer by throwing it across the room. I don't know oh, if you no. saw that. <laughs> what a <laughs> waste of beer. Yeah, what a I'm waste of alcohol, man. Come on. I don't know what that is. But, uh, somebody left uh, Cool Kids with a Z, Juicy IPA here. So I think I'm from Cali Craft Brewing Company. Oh, wow. I'm going to crack that open for the last hour here as we uh, we head to the callers. 619, you're live on Leave It in the Rain. Hey, what's up, Gabe? Dave, how you doing? It's Juan. Juan, here. what's up, man? Well, how about what yourself? Up? Trying to get, get, get early this time. Uh, I missed last week and uh, wanted to chime in on the Garcia-Spence fight and a little bit of what happened this week. Uh, everything good here. Uh, how about you guys? How's everything? You, uh, your voice sounds a little rough. Was that a, was like a really hard Coke binge this weekend? Uh, you kind of – allergies. Uh. <laughs> you know what? I, I, uh, my job involves me on the phone a lot, and, uh, and I was uh, – you know, we had a lot of work the last few, uh, three, four weeks. And I'm oh, feeling man. it now, dude. Um, it, it's been rough, but um, ah, here we are. Uh, you know, we'll get by it. Oh yeah. Well, I watched the fight, the Mikey uh, Spence fight. I, I, I uh, when I called and gave my two cents, I, it pretty much went as I said that um, Spence was gonna sh- win not because he was bigger, just because he was as good or better, uh, technically. And mm-hmm. uh, but one Good thing, enough. one thing. Yeah, one thing that I've been, you know, I've been thinking about, and and, and I wrote to uh, Dougie's mailbag, and he said something there that got me, uh, you know, got me thinking, and, and, and also kind of got me thinking about the Juan Manuel Marquez fight against Floyd Mayweather. Um, in the end, yes, uh, Spence was better, but we can't, you know, we can't just say that size doesn't have anything to do with it, because in the end, you know, Mikey didn't want to go in because that jab was probably very hard. And and he didn't want to risk too much his size, his, the length of his arms, so he just couldn't even begin to start using his style, and uh, and, and and it did, you know, it it was a factor in the end, you know, size. But again, one of the things is that, and, and you guys said it. I was listening to your last week's show earlier today. Uh, you guys said it best too that also he didn't seem to have Plan B. He prepared for uh, for countering. He thought he was going to come to him. And if you see his body and everything, you're right. That that was also right. So I think two things happened. The worst plan of all time for a guy moving up in weight. Am I wrong? Exactly. I I think you're totally right. And I think that if you look at Marcus Floyd, Marcus was always trying. But, you know, size was a big factor in that fight because whenever Floyd hit him, it was harder. He could feel it. And and he just you know, but at least he tried. He was moving and everything. It's but like they learned nothing from that fight, and they were like facing the same conditions from the same people that brought you that fight. And I, you know what? It's crazy. Exactly. Like it, I didn't think about it till afterwards. I, I I think you brought it up beforehand. I didn't even think about it. I was like that. It's it's exactly the same fight. They just marketed it better. Yeah. And Mike yeah, is younger. Yeah, because in, in the end, it's Floyd. 
Floyd and Errol kind of fought the same kind of fight. Because Errol, even though he's a strong guy, he could have knocked him out if he tried. He just wanted, he was so pissed at everybody saying he wasn't smart that he said, I'm going to show you that I'm smarter than you think. And he did the, the Floyd, you know, the Floyd thing, just hit you, uh, get you a little bit off of your rhythm, and then hit you again, and then hurt you a little bit and get back. You know, just keeping you there uh, to just outsmart you and embarrass you, which I thought was awesome in a way because, you know, he proved everybody wrong in that regard. And I, and I get what he wanted to do. I get it because in the end, he wants to be compared against Crawford in the end. In the end, that's the guy he's going to be compared at, I think. Now, well, that being, that being said, I want to go that, I want to go with what, what uh, Christina was saying right now. Great interview, by the way. I loved it. Um, you're talking about Berdejo, and, and I was thinking earlier today because some, somebody was talking about Berdejo fighting or, or uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's against Garcia. He's on the undercard of Amir Khan, right? I think he's going to be on the undercard of Crawford yeah. and Amir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which I'm actually going to. This, it's going to be my first time in, in Madison Square Garden. I got really good tickets for cheap, so I thought it was a good idea to, you know, go and, and just pay a hundred bucks to, you know, be in the middle and and watch, you know, some world class boxing. But I think we're we're kind of um, Berdeco's career hasn't ended yet, and I think we're just saying we're just uh, concluding way too early that the guy can't come back. I, I was never big on him, but I don't. I, I, I'm, we might be wrong about that guy. That guy might, you know, that loss might have given them a good reason to to be better. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen with him, and he might surprise people. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I won't, I won't be the guy to say that a loss will ruin a guy's career. Sometimes a loss is a blessing in disguise, especially for a guy like that that thinks he's, you know, the king of the world, like Ryan Garcia thinks he is right now. So. Again, we'll wait and see for you know what what that guy brings. Hopefully, the guy comes back because he, as you said, gave the guy you know understands what he needs to do. And I think you know that's what a lot of these boxers don't understand. You know that they need to there's, get out. There. You know, you know what Verdejo. There's 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 two types of hot air balloons. There's the one that the fighter likes to blow up in front of you, like Ryan Garcia, and then there's the one where the media likes to blow up. And I always thought that Verdejo was that one the media was trying to sell you. They were trying to put it in your face that he was going to be something special. I never saw it. I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure Gabriel, remember, I, when when we would talk about it, I would tell you, I don't see it. I'm not I mean, high on the game. I, 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 was, yeah. I was very much on the record. Steve and I were, were at odds. I mean, you know, we weren't like arguing about it like we did about Jacob uh, Golovkin, but uh, you know, he really liked Verdeo. He called him the future. And I, I just was like, eh, he's kind of a cutie. You know, he's kind of uh, kind of looking to not have a fight every fight when it's not going his way. It just, it just didn't look, I don't know. I just wasn't yeah. impressed. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, yeah. I think we, we don't know, like, until the career ends, we, know, we don't know if these guys can come back or show a little, you know, something. With this kid, Ryan Garcia, that, that chin, dude, like, leading it, like, he, he almost, almost reminds me of Nassim Hamad when he was just sticking his shin up like everybody thought they could hit that. Yeah. We used to call it the mistle, mistletoe chin. It wants to be kissed. That's the kind of chin he has, man. He just dangles <laughs> it out there. But yeah, no, yeah, seriously. Think, you could, and you can hang it. out underneath it, you know. It, it's uh, it, you know, yeah. 
I want to see how he catches. Uh, And I'm I'm just, I I really am not a big fan of somebody that's just always like, I'm the greatest and I get paid. And, you know, like Muhammad Ali talked a lot, but he had some shit to say. Uh, All this stuff kind of, you know, I know Christina, we we had like 30 minutes with her. I wanted to ask her more stuff, but um, maybe we'll get more reporters on because I, I want to talk about coverage and, does Ryan Garcia, do we need to hear from him post-fight as much? Like, you know, it's, it's, is it about the 24-hour news cycle and how much coverage we do that, you know, like, I don't know. I don't need to hear. Well, it just kids like, like them, though. Kids <laughs> like them, though. I'm going to tell you I mean, something. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I, I'm going to tell you something that I don't know if you guys know, but when, you know, back, back when Canelo was, like, 16, 17 years old, that he was coming up in, in Televisa in Mexico, I was living back then and, and there, and, uh, you know, they put every single fight that he had, you know, growing up as a fighter. And much right. like Ryan Garcia, a lot of the old school, um, you know, fans or even hardcore fans or older guys would say that he, he, he was he was crap. He was just a media hype job. I, I was one of them. I said that back then. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, he, he, this guy, you know, I don't know. These guys just want to put them down our throat on, like, you know, however they can. But again, the guy was 16, 17 years old. It was like his 19, 18, 19, 20th fight. The guy was developing. And right now with Garcia, Garcia is pretty much developing. And we, we're getting to see every single fight, much like Canelo. And everybody's talking about his development, development fights as if he was ready for a championship, you know, championship fight. I think the guy still needs like six, seven, eight fights to get there where, where we really know who he is. Right now, I think it's, he's the Canelo that I saw back then in Televisa, and a lot of people are going to criticize him. So I, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna watch his fights right now because I don't think they're worth watching. And he just talks too much, and I will, you know, he's a twenty, what, twenty year old kid? How old is right. That? He's twenty years old. I, I just he's turned forty. Away from twenty one. Yeah, I just turned forty one a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just like, dude, I'm like, he's a twenty one, twenty two year old kid. I don't have to listen to him. This, you know, when I was 22, I was so full of shit that I can't even stand myself, like, remembering myself. So, I won't, you know, I won't listen to that shit. <laughs> I just turned 46. So, and I feel like like David and I were talking, and, and, and like, before I told him what I'd heard, he was describing, you know, how uh, Garcia was, like, talking about Roly Romero and, like, you know, the whole, the, I, make, I make money and I get paid. And I was like, I just turned that shit off. I was like, didn't your parents teach you? Talking about your money is low class, dude. Like, who cares? Like, I don't, I don't need anybody to know about my money, how poor or rich I am. Like, I just kind of, like, keep that shit to myself. Like, uh, show me your performance. And, and when your opponent's not moving up in weight and he's near your age and he doesn't have – he's not coming off a loss. Like, when it's, it's not certain if you're going to win and you win, then I'll listen to you brag. But for now, well, it's we, just, we, we, like, save that shit for Instagram. See, I, I, I ain't got we the can, time. We can see how insecure the kid is, like, because if you're talking about that, that only shows you how immature you are, how insecure you are, what you lack, and how, how what what your IQ is. And, and again, these yeah. guys, again, there's no there's, – you can see, like, a guy like Spence. You can see how he cares himself. He's a gentleman. He's, like – you can see the difference in education. And that guy. I don't know and, about and that. He's been getting drunk on interviews, though. He's been getting drunk, being well, caught, you know. But here's the thing. But here's the guy. The there, they're yeah. kids still. 
There's there's still kids. They're they're, still they're kids. getting yeah. a lot of money. Right. Yeah, they're getting a lot of money. And you know, like anybody that that didn't grow up with money, you it, there's a process of development of learning how to behave with a lot of money. You know, um, especially sure. with kids in boxing that that they're coming from, uh, uh, you know, an area that is very poor and poverty. That when they get this money and what they're seeing right now and what I see, I, you know, having teenage, you know, raising teenagers to to men now, um, I see a lot of young kids that think that that's that's that that's like you know swinging the how much dollar amount you have is being a man, you know, um, and it's because of you know my in my opinion, and you know anybody can talk to me about it and I can argue about it because I've raised boys. Um, my opinion is the lack of parenting. When you don't teach your kids, sure. you know, how to behave and how to respond and how to act and really give them the value of, of that, that count, you know, uh, kids are going to, they're going to learn from what they see. And that's, they're learning from YouTube, Instagram. Uh, you got like this Carly B girl that's on that little girls are looking up to the way she talks. You see young women Speaking like that, you see young women acting like that. Now you see young men behaving, believing that acting like a thug uh, is a respectable uh, profession. It isn't. You look like you look like fools. Yeah, it, but that, that pretty much brings you, you know, br- brings me to the last point. What you're saying right now, what what happened with this idiot Pulev? You know, you don't do that. You just by education, like ethics, you don't do that. No matter what kind of girl she is. What she did later or before, you just don't do that. You're a man. You have to respect women, and that's absolutely. That's it. I don't care the, the circumstances or if she took a picture later with him. I don't care whoever's saying that. And he's a married man. Just he's a married yeah, man. They're justifying. Yeah. Anybody who's defending that in any way or saying that what she did later, they're just justifying their own behavior that they probably do all the time. Right. So to me, it's not the Me Too movement. It's just being a gentleman. Being a man and, and respecting other people. There you go. No matter if it's a woman, a well, man, it, or it, whoever. It, it, exactly. It's sort of like when, when people say political correctness. I'm like, you, you mean treating with people with respect? Like, you know, I think there's a limit, and I can understand how some people, like Dave and I were talking about it today, and I'm like, kind of explaining how things are here in San Francisco, which is a very, in terms of culture, it's culturally liberal. I would say structurally, in terms it, of how the city is run, I would not say it's liberal at all like maybe in some respects that we deal with the homeless is getting better but like um yeah that, I mean, that's you know that, that's my bit on that but but uh what you're talking about is absolutely true it's universal don't grab somebody by the face and kiss them especially if you're a married man uh especially if they're trying to do their job but just don't do it in general if you know i mean a lot of the guys defending it too it's like well, what if it was a gay boxer and, and you're wearing an outfit that you look kind of good in? You know, you're wearing like a two-piece suit, three-piece suit with like the pocket square and everything, and you've worn the cologne, and you think you're feeling kind of manly, uh, and there's a gay boxer. Maybe 20, 25% of the population is gay. Uh, so it's possible. It's probably more possible than you realize, uh, conservative yeah. in the box boxing people. What if he reaches across the way and kisses a male reporter at the end of the, the thing? Even if that male reporter is hanging out and partying, as male reporters I've known are, are want to do, hanging out at the bar and kind of mixing with the boxing people and, and uh, longing for the days when that was cool. Um, it's cool for men to do it, but it, like Dave and I were also talking, 
like when this happened, people looked at the supporter. I didn't know who she was, but you look at her Instagram and there's, there's bikini shots or whatever. I, I didn't do that. I'm a married man. I'm trying not to do that. Look at other women in bikinis. But, uh, What's the difference between that? Like people are saying that she's using her body or her sexuality to get ahead. What's the difference between that and a male reporter doing a, a heavy bag video where, or they're working the pads with their trainer and they put that up and they're using their physicality to get some sort of street cred as a boxing reporter? Yeah. No, there no, there's, there's... Not really, right? Well, No. Except one's like more no. appealing to, to you or I than the other one is. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and in the end, you know, listening to people justify it and defend it, to me it's just them being hypocrites and, 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 and pretty much trying to justify what they've done in the past and what they're willing to do because they, they want to be a man, you know. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I just I just thought it was disgusting and, and – but really didn't pay attention to it until it just everybody started talking about it. And I was like, well, God, this is just, you know, too much. But, again, to the sport, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to going to uh, Madison Square Garden a couple of weeks or three weeks. Never been there. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward really? to Canelo Jacobs. So I, I think that's going to be a pretty interesting fight, too. Uh, that's, that's all I got, guys. Uh, thank you very much Good for God. your time. And I well, we'll break it down your, that week. I'll, uh, I'll I'll bug you that week, but uh, yeah, man. Th- thanks for calling in and uh, and catching up. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Great show, Seven eight seven has been on the longest. Our man on the yeah, island. What's up? What's up? How you doing? Good, good. Yo, Dave, that uh, that that uh, wall you got of the posters and the mags is looking real nice. Oh, thank you, man. I got a but. You know what's crazy is I got I. Dude, I still have like I want to say over 400 magazines, and they're all spread out on Jesus. my floor. That's why, yeah. And then, and then, like a pendejo, I went and bought another 14 magazines. But these ones are actually um, some real vintage stuff, man. It's like from 19, from 1958, I want to say, to 1963. So Gene Fuller to Dick Tiger. Um, to uh, Floyd Patterson, I mean, a, lo- a lot of a lot of good reads in there and and uh, some good stuff. Um, but I don't think I'm gonna put those on the wall. I think what I want to do is uh, keep it because I'm gonna build a like a, a a desk, not like a desk. It's like a bar table where people could sit at, yeah. and then in between it, I want to have like a thing where you could like a latch you can open up, and I want to have those magazines in there so if somebody wants to read them, you know. Yeah, yeah, that would be sick. Yeah, yeah, man. But yeah, man, no. Or an open bar? Huh? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Like an open bar? Yeah, that would be sick, too. Exactly. Yeah, man. But uh, how you been, man? So what would you think about this past weekend fights? Um, I mean, I kind of just kept up with the Ryan versus Garcia fight. I really don't know why. I I really don't know why. But um, I've never turned off a post-fight interview faster in my life. Like that was so cringe. It was. <laughs> that made me feel so bad. Like I was like, I, like hey, he, hey. he gets the mic. He he gets the mic. He's between Oscar and Canelo, and I'm like, all right. So he's obviously gonna call somebody out. Let me get a drink. So I'm hearing it from the phone to the house, and I hear the moment I heard 
money team, I immediately ran back to my room and cut that off. Like, I was like, this guy's not about to bring up Floyd Mayweather standing between two men, Floyd Mead. Please stop. First he parties with him. That's horrible. First he goes and celebrates <laughs> Floyd's birthday, parties with him, and then he calls. I'm not, a, I'm not scared of you. Well, obviously you're not, dude. You're at his birthday party. He says it implying like he's going to fight Floyd someday. Like, when, when he's oh, 50, my God. Like, what, what are we going to do? Like, you know, nah, it it, it goes back to, you know, when Oscar was a fighter. Like, you know, you bring up Winky Wright. You bring up whoever the boogeyman is, and, you know, maybe you fight him, maybe you don't. Now, it's your case more often than not, he fought him, but uh, you you link to somebody else's shine, and, you know, it's uh, he, you can't say he doesn't know how to market himself. He's doing it all right. You know, just, I just yeah, don't think he can punch as well as he can deliver a verbal jab. I think he wants my, to fight these guys, though, Gabriel. Guys, I, I honestly think he wants I, – I, I, don't, I don't get that sense that he's, like, using it as – as, as a marketing tool to keep his name out there. I really, truly believe he thinks he could beat these guys. Um, it's, it's, it hmm. really falls on the lap of the Golden Boy, of Golden Boy's uh, you know, team to kind of like, you know, hey, slow down a bit. Let us continue building that process because the hard part is done, in my opinion, in terms of getting them out there and getting a fan base. It's done. But now we gotta now we gotta get him in where it really counts, uh, which is to get the hardcore boxing fans on that bandwagon. You well, know, I just I wanna I wanna see him in a fight longer than an Instagram moment. Yeah, yeah, like that. that that's what I was gonna bring up. Like I think he did most of the marketing himself on Instagram. I feel like right. he's he's more of an Instagram star than he is like a a known boxer. And any and any fame he gets in boxing it's always going to be followed up by the shadow of Instagram. And that's interesting. It like, to the point like, where, well, it's like, I'll, I'll just let me jump in really quick. It's like, they took Canelo off of Mexican TV because he was like this, you know, phenomenon at 18 on that. Uh, can they take this Mexican American from YouTube and do the same thing? I mean, like my problem is that when you see the way he, when you see the way he fights and it's it's almost like he's he's talented. Yes, he has decent power. He has very good hand speed, but it's just like his build. He's young, has chicken legs. Like first of all, he doesn't look like he's ever did a leg day in his life. It looks like and he's filling out it, though up top, though, doesn't he? He is. He is filling he out. Yeah, he's definitely putting on muscle yeah. up there. He looks but, strong yeah, this time. It's it's just like to me what I'm looking at is like. I see him fight, and he has some pretty shots. Like, he has a, a decent left hook, a nice upper tech. But he, he's missing the things in between what's going to get him those shots. Yeah. And he's wild. Like, he's so wild when he gets somebody hurt. And, dude, like, like, Jermaine Taylor probably thinks that this kid likes to back up and go to the ropes on his own way too much. You know? Like, what yeah, is that about? Like, why are you going to the ropes? You're gigantic. Why are you backing straight up to the ropes? And then, like, just getting into your guard and let the other... Dave Jr. too, thinking that. Like, damn, this guy's going to the ropes a lot. <laughs> Man, like... What's going on with him? I was just... Hey, I don't I know. Just, I, think, <laughs> I think, like, the perfect video for this kid to watch, like, I think he tries to emulate Oscar a little too much. 
He I does, bro. I mean, Oscar has he a does. boxing background to back it up. Like he could, yeah. Oscar could get away with he, with what he's doing because Oscar had an iron chin. His chin was granite back in the day. But like, he's not gonna get away with that stuff just because when or the experience for that style. Like I, I would suggest he looks at a lot of more, a lot more Alexis or Guayo type fights. I think that's more suitable for him because right now it, it just. I don't see him beating out like even like journey, like journeyman, like really solid journeyman or gatekeepers. I don't see him beating any gatekeepers in that division right now. No. So like, it's, like I don't know what they're gonna do with him because now like it's kind of like you're on a train and they just threw a lot of fire into this locomotive and he, and you can't take pissed off now. Now you just gotta go wherever this thing takes you, and it's gonna take him right into a fight. I think they're gonna pass, like with Canelo. They were getting a lot of flack for not putting Canelo up right away with guys that were in the same weight division. You know, remember they were getting the little guys, Matthew Hatton, Josecito, to jump up and you know mm-hmm. to, to face them. I think Golden Boy, they're used to taking jabs of how that could potentially yeah. be something very special. Uh, Gabriel, real quick, Sal from Boxing Guru said. I guess I'm never gonna put on a. I, uh, I can post. I guess I can't post any shirts of myself shirtless anymore. Thanks. <laughs> 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 no, you're an exception, yeah, Sal. To be Sal hasn't been using his his uh, his body to to get ahead in the industry. He has been using his tailgate abilities, however, and I think that's unfair. I, I, don't, I, don't, I have to argue about that. Over the parking that's lot a different forum. That's another hour into the show, but I'm going to have to argue about that. I think Al has used – I mean, I think Sal has used uh, his body to get where he's at, man. I think you're using your, your boxing magazines to get ahead of this industry. And I resent it. And you have a garage. <laughs> Yo, guys, um, real quick, uh, by the way, about the Pulev situation, has anybody, like, been asking themselves if Pulev is – all there mentally after all the fights he's had. Yeah, I mean impulse like, control is a thing, you know. Like that's the frontal lobe, right? Um, and that's like, what happens with boxers, like with CTE. Like you know, impulse control goes out the window. And like, I'm not the guy that's going to be like, "Well, look what she was wearing." Um, but maybe I, I like Dave and I've like, gotten to like a really long conversation right? about it today, like 30 minutes or so. And, yeah. And um, what I've realized in the conversation is how little I knew about the timeline, that video that's put out of her, you know, sitting on somebody's lap, they called it a lap dance. To me, it looked like she was kind of like sitting kind of controlling a dude's hands whose lap she was sitting on. Um, I've just never been a woman. So like, I feel like I can't really fully comment on it. And I also didn't, you know, I talked to Christina, I didn't want her to make her speak for every female reporter in the world, I wanted her to talk about herself, you know? Um, yeah. And I didn't ask Joe what it's like to be a man in boxing <laughs> when we had him on like two weeks ago. So uh, you try to keep it fair, you know? Um, I don't know. It, there's, there's a lot there. But the bottom line is you don't reach over and kiss somebody when oh, you're yeah, a married sure. man. Especially when I, you're I just, like, looked at, I just looked at Poland and after watching that video, I like, just thought about all the wars he's been in and like all the damage he's taken. And I was like, this has to be some type of result of that. Sure. It was like so spontaneous and random and things that or might happen. And it just kind of like, it was really random. It was random. It was random. And 
my take, look, my, my take, and I'm, I don't want to get too much into it because the fact is I don't know all the facts. You know, I, I'm, how I'm looking at it, there's a lot more to what happened there than we actually even know about, you know. Uh, I think it's very easy for us to attack Polov, and I think it's very easy for us to attack um, the young lady that, that received the kiss and now is suing. Um, it's really easy, but at, at the end of the day, none of us were there. You know, and, and I don't think all the facts have been drawn out. And I think that's what we have to really just kind of do is sit back and see exactly what was that situation? What really did happen? You know, so. And, and you know, like, like to what Christina was talking about, like, like I did six years there. I pulled out after six years, you know, um, and I was like eight years in with boxing at that point as a reporter going to fights and well, good the whole thing. Well, you thing. pulled out. We don't want you to end up like Ryan Garcia. You <laughs> we know? don't want more of me. We don't want me to breathe. Wow. Wow. I'm glad you said that and not me. Um, oh, I am my cast. God. But, uh, oh, my God. Wow. You know, if it had been any number of situations, Dave, <laughs> yeah. not fair. Can't just blame him. Uh, right. Um, I uh, I totally forgot what I was saying. I know. I was um, gonna say no, but that, you know it's hard down there, and like trying to define your like we're talking. I was like way out on a limb and trying not to offend her. It was like, you know, Christina like shows up like nice to work, but it's not like completely displaying. You know, I'm also a you know I'm a female. But, you know, expressing yourself as females are, are allowed to, like, a little bit more than, than males are fashion-wise in the workplace. With T-shirt and jeans guy, you know, a sports reporter or a golf shirt or a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of schlubs. Uh, and I would put myself in that, you know, I was like a T-shirt and jeans guy for the most part or a badly fitting suit uh, at some point uh, on, on the beat. Um, you know, it, it's hard until so like that girl, I'm not going to falter for whatever her stick was. Like I was kind of thinking is, is the big glasses in her outfit, like a stick, you know, and, and regardless, whatever it is, it doesn't allow for the dude to just reach over and kiss her. But uh, on this, it's like the, the boxing view. It's a new segment, Dave. I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Yeah, man. We we need to go. We'll uh, right, definitely fine, catch man. up next week, bro. Um, let's pass you another from, fight uh, Puerto Rico, the, uh, the Megan McCain of the Boxing View. 510, you're live on the Leave in the Rain. <laughs> hey, Dave, you don't watch Dave, Dave, Fernando Richie. What's up, Fernando? Hello. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, man. Uh, I really doing? enjoyed that uh, interview with uh, Christina Poncher. I'm a, Poncher. I'm a big fan of hers. At, uh, Poncher. I'm a big fan of hers and uh, Bomac when they do the, the undercards, you know? And, uh, when I first heard her, right, like it kind of took me off on a, a, a female do boxing, right? But, but uh, she kind of won me over, man. She, she's really knowledgeable and she does a really good job, man. Uh, so I'm a little big fan of her asshole, man. I don't want um, to put her on the spot, but I think that ESPN Plus mixes her better than they used to, her voice, like, better uh, than they used to on the top rank undercard. Her voice was a little for my face because she has a lower voice, like a lower register for a woman. Uh, and ESPN bumped her up like just right. Uh, I was like listening to her like Dave and I both were, were going back over the tape just to just to hear her and stuff. And and uh, yeah, she does a really good job. And and I think all that preparation, like in learning how to like 
write down a few facts about each person so you can ask them three or four questions. It helps you do the, the, the blow by blow where you can also throw in information, you know, like I liked her in Chris Algieri. I think he goes a little too fast. Like he could slow down a little bit. Uh, he has a lot of good information to give and, and they, they seem to, you know, they'll probably gel after a while, but they, it's more like technical. They're not getting into some like historical debate about who they're watching. They're just like calling the fight and talking about what they think, you know, negative to say about, or, uh, Feelings towards him, but he just yeah, has a little bit of Malinaji in him. He has a little bit mm. of Malinaji in him, you know. You know, he has a little bit of that nasal East Coast, you know, quick talking, like you said. You know, so he's a little bit. He has, he's got a little bit of Malinaji. I kind of don't care for that style. So that's you know, like it down. It would, it would be better, yeah. It, you know, and I think it would help that because it is a little bit of Malinaji. It's not as annoying, but he's also sparring. No, just, and I noticed this with Polly. You know, when you nasal, uh, so if you already have a nasal voice, it's even worse. And since Paulie's kind of had stopped fighting, like I noticed his voice kind of dropped a little bit and he wasn't as nasally. He's still just as annoying to me as ever though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been listening to the whole show and, uh, and I was listening on the comments for like Ryan Garcia. Right. And I agree with yeah. some of them, but me personally, right. Like, like the last time I saw him, I remember I called in on the, when his last fight was like on Facebook live a few months ago. I didn't even care about him. I was like, there's nothing. He just looked kind of wild and nothing impressive, right? To be uh-huh. honest, man, I was I was really impressed with him on Saturday. I I see a lot of talent, man. Hmm. And let me let me, let me ask you guys a question. All right, Jaime Munguia. I'm a huge fan of his too, right? But who has who has uh, the better path for championships and being a top tier fighter in the next three years, Munguia well, or Garcia? I, well, I don't know how well uh, I. Know that I'm not high on Jaime Munguia having longevity in his career. I think he's a knockout no. waiting to happen. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, I mean I, somebody hit me up on um, the Leaving Ring Gmail, and they were like, "Who do you think is the better fighter, Angulo or Morgia? And I was like, "Angulo, by far, was a far better fighter." You know, um, if you want to make comparisons, I mean, I think Angulo in his prime stops and beats. Jaime Morgia right now at the point of his career. Uh, Morgia still has a lot of work. I mean, he's a work in process, uh, progress. I mean, he, he's another guy. If you look at, if you look at Ryan Garcia and you say like this kid is, is built, I mean, he's already uh, Instagram famous. Morgia is starting to get that, that, that same, tra- that same train that's starting to roll down up, down that hill pretty fast uh, in terms of, in terms of catching, the imagination of fans and stuff, you know, but it, his skill level, it's got to catch up as well because many it's hit a lot. To be honest, I don't think it's, it's his skill level or where well, it is his skill level, but I don't think it's his talent level. I don't think that Robert Alcazar is just a really bad fit for him, man. You know, I think you guys touched on it earlier, right? We're trying to teach him to be more of a defensive fighter, you know? Yeah. And, and if you watch, the, you watch the last fight he had against uh, uh, the Asian guy, I mean, you can just tell it, it just, it just, it, 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 he doesn't fit his, his style, man, his tempo, man. Like you said, he'd be better off with the margarito style, you know? And that's why I, that's, that's where my question came from, right? Three years from now, is Alcazar really going to make him a better fighter? I don't think so, man. I really don't. I, whereas with Ryan, he's got a great team around him, man. He's got the, the Chepo Reynoso and, and uh, Canelo working with him, right? So that's why I think he's more set up for success the next couple of years than uh, Munguia is. And I, I hope Munguia turns out to be great. Because I do think he has a lot of talent, man. Big punch, uh, aggressive, you know. But it just, I think uh, Alcazar just, is just the wrong trainer for him. Shitty, I, 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 I think that's a good fit. They have, the, 
yeah, they, they have the recipe. Listen, they have the recipe to 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 have the potential that we we are we want, right? But it, it goes back to fans and, and the people that pay to go watch them. They're going to start asking questions. That's who you have to please, you know, in, in terms of the eye. Uh, Ryan Garcia, they're talking about getting in a title this year. That might be that might backfire on him. You know, there's ways of playing out and making developing a fighter. It is to slowly get get him there. Robert Alexander, could he get it, make him a better fighter in two or three years? Yeah, he could, but not with the potential fights. Magia is going to be fighting on who's if he gets this win, um, he's got a potential Triple fight G. with yeah, um, well, yeah, Triple G. But there's another fighter too, another 154 guy. Well, there's Tony Harrison's going to be, you know, uh, settling his business with Jamal Charlo um, in their rematch. But yeah, you know, the WBA and IBF is is Jarrett Hurd, who's also in the PBC universe. There you um, go, right? But but you know, Munguia is fighting Dennis Hogan in, in his next fight, um, which is you know his his mandatory uh, over in the, in the with the WBO, um, and it's you know the right kind of fight. It's that thing of you know when is a belt a shield? You know when you have a guy that's kind of green. And you can get him a title, you know, and then, exactly. then it's kind of like, then you're just kind of like funneling your opponents, you know, and you're taking that, you'll take that, uh, that soft defense if you can in, in a fight after that or a developmental fight after uh, Dennis. Yeah. We might not see a Munguia in, in a tough one in a while. And you know what? And it's not, this is not unheard of, man. I mean, this, I think that's what fans got to remember that this has always been part of boxing. When you see a guy, have a title and he can hold on to that title as long as he wants and takes on mandatories and avoid the the number one contender or the guy that he should face. Um, this is not a new way of running the sport. Uh, you know, like I said, I picked up these old magazines and, and if you read like uh, Gene Fuller, uh, he, he, he avoided certain champions. He decided to take on his mandatories and he continued to do it for like two to three years before they felt like, okay, he's ready to take on guys. The only difference was he was fighting every two to three months um, to, to, to speed up the development where we're right. watching fighters. Now they're, they're taking, you know, they're fighting once every, you know, four to six months. And it's a little tougher to implicate whatever development you're trying to teach them. You know, that's, that's a hard process, you know, to do because you got to see whether or not it, it works. And like Joe uh, Gusu, who we had on, who, uh, like you said, uh, um, you know, um, you got to see if the guy could take a hit. You know, got to see if he could take a punch. So there's a lot of variables when it comes to developing a guy. I, I just know that we become restless when you have a title and you're not fighting the the fights that that us thirsty goons want. You know, but to say that he can't get there. I say you can because they do have the certain tools to get there. I, I see Jaime Moria does have that, that and you know that aggressive style that you were mentioning a little earlier, uh, Fernando, and you know um, coming in forward, uh, a little bit of head movement can go a long way. But we don't know yet. I don't know yet. Even with Ryan Garcia, it, it's very difficult to say whether or not they're going to get there because sometimes the fighters too um, can press to be somewhere they think they should be at already. A la Fernando Vargas. You know, he wanted Tito mm-hmm. Trinidad. He didn't want to listen to his handlers. He said, no, I'm ready. 
and and look what happened to him. That if he didn't face Cheeto at that mo at that year in that time, I think that he would have had a much longer you know longevity of, of career than he had when facing Tito Trinidad. So it's one of those, man. Well, one good thing, right? Like now, with all, like uh, Christina mentioned with, during her interview, is that there's so many more dates, right? That now those dates are a good thing because now you got more uh, availability to fight, right? Like Brian Garcia, he could fight again in a month from now. He worked a little bit more, a little more. And Munguia, he's oh, yeah. been super busy ever since. Uh, he's been super busy too. He's going to fight again this month, you know. The only, the only gonna, bad part is right now. Yeah. Well, he's going to fight on the, uh, the the May 4th card. Yeah, you know. And Munguia just fought a couple months ago. He's going to fight again in a couple of weeks, you know. So that's great, you know. The only, the only bad part week, is right? that the fact. Yeah. Uh, two weeks. Two weeks, I think. And, yeah, uh, April 13th. The only bad right, part is. Yeah. Not, yeah. I think the only bad part is now the fans are like, I got when I got ESPN Plus. Now, now, like a lot, not me, right? But a lot, a lot of fans have expectations. When you on TV, they're going to be tough, right? Every time, but you got to still prospect, man. They should, you know, they should be working on little things here and there, you know. But us as fans should have shit with these guys too, man. Develop, and they got a lot of talent, man. So I, I like to see where they're going, man. You know, it, we can't be dumping on these guys like on Ryan or, or Jaime after every fight. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not fair. It's not right, man. Because they're young, man. Jaime is like twenty two. And uh, Ryan's 20, you know? So us as fans, we got to be patient, and we can't just dump on them you know, after every little developmental fight they go through, you know? I, I see a lot of talent in those guys, and I think, you know, and hopefully they go in the right direction, and uh, we'll see where they go, man. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword in boxing. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's a double-edged sword of boxing. You, you Either a fan, and you hate to see a guy develop, and it's taking too long, or you see a guy that has – He's way overskilled, and then he's just facing guys that he, you know he's going to outbox. We see that on both sides of the fence. You know, a guy that, that has the potential to be something special, but he's taking forever. And then you got a guy that has that potential already, but he's facing guys that none of us want to see because there's too much money involved. There's too much risk if he does fight another prime fighter. You know, it's just a, it's a double-edged sword with this sport. You know, uh, um, it's very difficult uh, uh, to have a Super Bowl in the sport of boxing. And when we do have a Super Bowl, that's when we're all excited. But notice this. Every Super Bowl we've ever had in boxing has very, very little has it ever satisfied our, our need, our fix that we want from it. You know, um, it only comes once in a great while. I think the last... Super Bowl that I love, but then it wasn't on pay per view. Uh, and I think everybody agrees about this was Diego Corrales and Jose Luis, I mean, Jose uh, Castillo. When they fought, you know, uh, a lot of people overlooked it. Look what we got. It was special. Well, that was, that was my personal Super Bowl, man. I was a max boxing member back then. And I went to the fight, man, because I was so hyped for it. You know, Castillo had been uh, destroying people for like a good year and a half, man. Yeah, Corrales had come out of prison a couple of years before, and he was destroying everybody too, man. Uh, Fino Freitas, uh, a really good fight with, uh, with uh, Casa Mayor. That was super hype, man. I went to that fight, man. That was my super hype, man. And uh, anyway, thank you for taking my phone call. I appreciate it. I know you guys got to keep online, man. Thank you. All right, bro. Right, thank you. Fight fans, you want to call in? You certainly can. 347-215-7598. Come on through. Take a bite of boxing here on Leaving the Ring. Uh, two zero nine. You're live on Leave It in the Ring. Hey guys, how you doing? It's Troy from Stockton. Hey, what's up, Troy? <laughs> hey, uh, uh, first of all, uh, about the fights this weekend. 
uh, I, I don't know if I should talk about the ESPN card, the the main card, because uh, that pulled up. Uh, I, I don't know what happened to him. Leg injury, cramp, or, or I don't know what happened to him. And uh, the green machine, well, uh, I, I wasn't really. He looked very green. <laughs> he looked <Yeah>. very green. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you, you know what, though? Everybody was uh-huh. talking about. You know what's crazy, though? Everybody was talking about his performance of that night, Saturday night. But what about his last fight? He didn't look that good either. No, so he why didn't. Were we, why was everybody expecting that we were going to see this this new and rejuvenated, uh, uh, improved guy? Uh, sorry, the last performance showed us how limited the Green Machine was. He goes in there, I'm watching him, and I go, this guy looks really green in the ring. Why, are we yeah. still, why, why do we still believe there's potential of him being, being a, 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 you know, a force against Terrence Crawford? I tell you what, Crawford and his team are probably liking it because he's not much of a threat. He's a, he's a, he's a fight. <laughs> You know, he's a fight that to, to keep busy on, you know. So not much surprise for me, man, in my end when I saw uh, the green machine, you know. Uh, not much of a machine. Very green, yes. So yeah. that's that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's going to take more time to build him up. I mean, I saw him in Fresno when uh, he became the, uh, uh, the, 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 main, the main fight when, uh, when, that, when that guy, Jose Ramirez, was going to fight. Uh, did he make weight? Um, I saw him over there, and I was like, "Wow, you know, I was expecting a lot more." But, but you know, um, uh, the, the fights on the zone, the uh, Ryan Garcia fight, you know, I, I was uh, uh, I, I was looking at him fight. I was trying to see what kind of uh, changes that he made on his defense. What kind of, you know, since he's trained with Canelo and, and, and you know with Team Canelo, and, and this whole time where we're watching the fight, my girlfriend's telling me about his YouTube page. You know, you know, she's uh, chatting away about his YouTube page, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> What's the fight?" <laughs> <laughs> but, but, <yeah. laughs> hey, what, what, what can you say? He brings a different audience. And, he does. And, he does. You know, I uh, cocky at the end. I get it. Uh, what is he? A 14-time national champion? I mean, I can't do that. Uh, a lot of other people can't do that. So I, I get the confidence that he has in his craft. Borderline cocky. Uh, but this day and age, man, all these young kids, their their mentality is different. You know, it's everything's being put on blast on social media. Um, do I follow him? Uh, you follow yes, him? Follow- <laughs> dude, dude, like three hundred million people follow him. <laughs> After- <laughs> follow him, man. <laughs> yeah, but but I don't yeah. follow him on. on- well, actually, uh, I follow him on Twitter because it's funny. It's funny, man. People give him a hard time. I mean, really? You know, but 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 I guess, yeah. I guess I guess all that's expected when you're when you're like super popular and when you have three million, four million people following you. You know, I guess it comes with the territory. It does. But but it but, does, man. Yeah, you know, it definitely does. Uh, uh, but uh, I think what Canelo said in that post interview pretty much hit the nail on the head. This kid needs to focus on boxing. Um, yep, and that brings it up. Um, and, and I'm sure his team will will will, will make the necessary changes. Um, I think they anyways, really, uh, I think they have. I mean, look, they they got on Chepo, um, in in Canelo's team to work with them. That's a great. That was a great move. Okay, it, it made sense. Uh, I've always, you know, you can't argue that Roberto Diaz is not a good matchmaker. He knows what he's doing. He's been in this business for quite some time. Uh, um, you know, he's he's worked with Canelo. 
the process has been there. It's uh, it's. Uh-huh. I can't judge. I can't judge what the team is doing off of what Ryan Garcia is saying. You know, because at the end of the day, we we know we know a lot of these young kids that have a lot of money. They're not making those decisions. You know, Oscar yeah. De La Hoya is a perfect example. The guy, the guy, you know, was a gold medalist, had a big fight uh, contract deal, got signed with uh, you know uh, got signed with these uh, uh, two uh, uh, guys uh, uh, that were managers. Uh, one guy was a dealership owner, and was was super popular and brought that draw, but didn't know how to handle his money, you know? So that, you know, we're, that's what we're kind of seeing. I'm not saying that Golden Boy's doing that. It's stealing from the kid. But I'm saying what we're seeing is this, this new genre of kids now, millenniums, that everything's about Dude, money. Put, yeah, and they're putting all their business on social media. <laughs> they're putting all their business on social media, man. Oh, uh, Lineal, uh, Dave. The, the, oh, Lineal. My, my, my bad. My bad. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah, no, dude. Dave, I mean, he's seven years old, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm. What am I? An X? Am I an X generation? What are you? What are you, Gabriel? Yeah, we're Gen X, Dave. We're, we're Gen X. X. Yeah. Yeah. But the um, uh, the oh, I'm sorry. The the uh, co-main event on the uh, the zone. What was that guy's name? Acosta. Acosta. Uh, you mean uh, Augustus? Augustus? Yeah, Without Hopkins, Augustus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. That was a good fight. It was, was a good fight. Yeah, yeah, that was probably the, 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 one of the better fights of the night. I mean, I mean, that's only, you know, the, the only two fights I, I get to saw on uh, the zone card, but that was good. No, you know, there was a and, lot, uh, lot of action. Lot yeah. Of, yeah, a lot of back and forth action. And, and, and you know what? That's another thing I want to say about these Golden Boy cards. And it's funny that she that you bring up uh, Roberto Diaz. Uh, 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 Golden Boy cars on the zone have been great, have been pretty good. A lot of action. I mean, back and forth. I mean, yeah, they have their prospects that they're developing, but for the most part, I mean, they've been pretty good action. I mean, I I, I actually look forward to the Golden Boy cars on on the zone. Um, you know, I, you know, I like the I don't pedal really... stuff. I don't mind that stuff. You know, I've kind of like initially I was, I, I'm always bothered by like the bringing in the professional loser, you know, kind of uh, part, part of the thing. But uh, at the same time, I, I do, I do like seeing the, the guys, you know, develop. Uh, I like to see careers. Yeah, that they're yeah. it, it, It's a path that you're seeing, you know, them going on a, a certain path, you've seen the progress that they're making. I myself like watching the prospects. Um, um, I, 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 that's why I like ESPN plus. That's why I like the zone. They're, they're giving me the prospects. Um, and, and before that, that's why I, I used to like seeing the uh, uh, Ring TV Live uh, shows uh, because you're seeing a path where these kids are taking. You've seen the progress that they're making. That way, when, when, when it comes to the point where they're already on the big stage, you already know their history. you already seen their yep. journey. I mean, like, like the, one of the problems I have with the PBC, and, and it's maybe, you know, you know, part of it, right now they're doing semi-decent. Uh, but in the past, their matchups sucked. Uh, uh, but not only that, they'll bring in a guy, they'll, they'll have their, their superstar against a guy, and I'm like, who in the hell is he? Uh, the guy has a record of 30-0, and zero, and I've never heard of him before. Uh, uh, so that's what I like about Goldemore. That's what I like about Top Rank. They're giving you these prospects. That way, when they're at that level, you already seen their journey. You already know them. You already They're already a household name. 
you know, you're you're not guessing who he is or, or what he does. Uh, uh, and, and you, know, you made me just think right now. Let me let me ask you guys this, you know, and I'm not I'm not uh, bashing on PVC because I think they are doing a hell of a job now by the the development oh, yeah. of their welterweights, uh, and, and and even with Dante Wilder. But um, what prospects do you can you think of right now that that stand out in the PVC world that makes you go like, oh man, this is a prospect that's coming up. Uh, Whereas Golden Boy and Top Rank have been doing. Well, you know what? I don't really know too much about the prospects in the PBC. Uh, I'll be honest with you. That's Uh, the answer. I think that's the answer right there. I don't. I don't either. You know, I don't really know. I'd have to go back and and kind of look. You know, Um, you know when when we talk about a, a Golden Boy and Top Rank, yeah, I mean there there's hit and miss in in anything when you develop fighters. I, I'm still hopeful with PBC though. I think that, you know, it's it was even though Al's been around uh, advising promotional wise as a company was still uh, a baby in terms of of doing it. You know, they they jumped in there uh, with a big fund, and I think it's a learning process. Even Golden Boy, at the, you know, when they yeah. decided to become uh, a full fledged promotional company, they it took them a while. It really took them a while to kind of get the niche going of how to develop fires, how to how to you know um, uh, get other TV deals and networks to to take them on and and, and do other things. So yeah, I, I, to me it's just everything is just the process, man. And we just got to sit back and, and enjoy it and watch it. Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's pretty much what our parties are doing now is get to know more about the PBC. Um, well, I'll try. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they need, they need to come up with a series in order to make that happen for you. But uh, we're up uh, against it, Troy. But uh, thanks for calling in, man. I, I appreciate thank it. Thank you very much, guys. All right, bye-bye. All right, man. Peace. I think what it comes down to it for everyone is that now we're right now in a time where all the fights are at the tip of your fingers. And you could watch everything as much as, you know, on demand that you can digest, you know, and we're in this, we're in this time of gimme, gimme, gimme. I don't want to wait. And I think as fight fans, we're, we're, we're so spoiled now. I mean, we're, we're really spoiled at this moment that we need to take a step back and remember that there is a process in building superstars. It just doesn't happen overnight. You don't get the triple G's overnight. You don't get the Manny Pacquiao's overnight, the Oscar De La Hoya's overnight, the Mike Tyson's overnight, the Carbohals, Ricky Hatton's, Sergio Martinez, and the list goes on. You don't get them overnight. It takes time. And as a fight fan for myself, I want to enjoy the time that we're getting because like uh, 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 our last caller right here, uh, Troy called in. Uh, Golden Boy's card was really good. I got to see Aaron McKinnon. I got to see other guys that I wouldn't have seen because uh, they wouldn't have televised it. So, and and we got to see Ryan Garcia just get a bit better on his fight. But anyways, uh, everybody for tuning in. Thank you, man. I uh, had a great time here on Leaving the Ring. As always with my partner, Mr. Gable Matoya. Can't wait to be back on the air on Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Gable, any final words there, my friend? Oh, happy oh, birthday, man. man. 
Forgot. That's right. Oh, Happy thanks. birthday, Mr. Montoya. Yeah, 46. I can't think of anything that I want to say that rhymes with that. But uh, <laughs> 46, I want more sex. There you go. Um, I'll just leave that alone. But uh, it rhymed. That's all. It I was know. a good weekend, man. I, to, I have to say, it was uh, it was epic. But I'm still like, you know, it's that thing. You know, the older you get, it's not the day after you party; it's the day after the day after you party. Uh, that <laughs> oh gets yeah. You. I'm just well, like, you know, the, there's that old saying: yeah, after 40, you start feeling everything. Yeah, everything in the 30s was like warning shots, and then like the 40s is like it landing, you know? Yep. So, yeah, no, it's good. But uh, another good show. I really enjoyed that interview with Christina, uh, and uh, we'll see what we do next week. But until then, yeah. we'll uh, – It's there's uh, not a lot of fights this weekend, not a lot to, to really break down. Um, you know, you've got uh, Showtime, I think a DAZN card. Uh, Showtime has a – a little showbox action, super bantamweight, super featherweights in action. And uh, out of uh, the UAE, you've got some super flyweights on zone. So, uh, yeah, enjoy that. And uh, we'll we'll see you next week. Peace. There you go. Remember, people, don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. <laughs>